welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. fish and chips. Just putting it out there. Sticky toffee pudding? Yes, please. Ice cream or cream? Yes. Why make choices? But here's what I really need to get off my chest, and I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. You would think someone of my age, my style, my culture, that when it comes to sweets, that would be on the high level of chocolates, etc. But my downfall is cheap, penny, chewy sweets. Absolutely love them. Can I get a witness this morning? Come on, where are the fellow? Yes, we like the cheap stuff. And I was laughing to myself the other day because as I was sitting down to a plate of whatever it was, I heard myself pray something that every single one of you, I guarantee, in this room have prayed already. When you look down at that fish and chips or sticky toffee pudding or whatever it is, somewhere in our life we have said these words. And dear God, would you bless this food to my body? In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get a witness? And it's in these moments that we know that God's got this. So we expect God to take all those calories (laughs) and saturated fats and unhealthy stuff because God's got this, right? So in that moment, we think that those few words are going to cover up all the sins of the food that we're eating. And I want to remind you this morning that yes, God's got this But every single person has a personal responsibility in the choices we make and the obedience that we have in following after God. I once had someone, and this is a true story, I once had someone come to the front for prayer. And they says, would you please pray for me? I really have major problems with my back. And I looked at this individual. It was a good friend, and I really loved them. But the reality is that they were probably carrying just a little bit too much weight. I say that graciously. And that was actually what was causing the back problem. Uh, When I chose to share that with them, they weren't very happy. But hey, God's got this. So we expect all that stuff to disappear because we trust in him. And then I was reminded this week uh, from Nikki uh, of a beautiful story of a a fellow who was stuck on his rooftop in the middle of a flood. And he's praying that God would come and save him, rescue him. It's an old story. So someone comes along in a rowboat and says, here, jump into the rowboat and I'll take you to a place of safety. And they says, no, I'm praying that God will save me. A few minutes later, someone came along in a speedboat and says, would you get into my speedboat and I'll take you to a place of safety? And their response was, No, I'm praying that God is going to save me. Eventually, someone came with a helicopter 
and says, quick, I'm putting down a rope ladder. Get on the rope ladder. Come into the helicopter. I'm going to save you before the flood comes and, and takes you out. No, they said, I'm praying that God is going to save me. Well, you know what happened. Eventually, he drowned. And when he got to heaven, he says, God, I was praying and trusting and believing that you were going to save me. Why didn't you intervene? And God said to him, I sent a rowboat. Hello? I sent a speedboat. And I sent a helicopter. But you chose not to respond. Welcome to heaven. <laughs> and the reality is, this morning, we know that in life, and we have been encouraged that God has got it, and God has got this, but we have personal responsibility and personal choices. And I've discovered in life that often God uses, in most occasions, God uses people to come my way to be a source of blessing, encouragement, help, and to be there for me. God uses people. By the way, all God's heroes normally don't wear capes. They look just like you and I. And I want to continue this thought for a few moments before we go to communion, picking it up uh, on Genesis 37 from something I shared the last time we were on this thought regarding the man called Joseph. Now, I pick it up in Genesis 37. I'm reading from verses 12 to 17. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. Beautiful picture of the father sending the son. So he said to him, here am I. The son is obedient to the father. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent them out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him. Now, I just love this thought. I can't shake it from the last time I spoke with you. A certain man. We are not given his name. We know very little about him. But there was a certain man who found Joseph, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I've heard them say, let us go to Dothan, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. A certain man, the right person, in the right place, at the right time, to give words of advice and direction to young Joseph, who was eventually going to end up in Egypt as prime minister. But this unnamed man, this individual, played an incredible part in the narrative of what takes place. We preach about Joseph, we preach about his brothers, we preach about his father, but if this certain man hadn't been in the right place at the right time to give the right direction, Joseph would never have known where his brothers were. So that got me thinking about the right person in the right place at the right time. Because I look over my life now in survey and I realize that when God is going to bless me, on most occasions, he uses people. I've also discovered something else, that when the enemy wants to bring challenge in my life, hello church, sometimes the enemy uses people. So I'm praying that God would give me 2020 in the spirit, hello, 
to get the right people into my world, my sphere of influence, that people that are going to encourage me, who are going to bless me, who are going to inspire me, who are going to cheer me on, who are for me, who are not against me. God, would you, I know you've got this, but God, would you give me the wisdom to get the right people into my life? And can I say this? The wrong people out of my life. Because if I believe that God has his hand upon my life, I believe that with the right person will come your next word of encouragement, your set of instructions, and the next word of creation. So my prayer this morning before I came here is God in my world, in Neil Cameron's world, in Neil and Phyllis's Cameron's world, would you put the right people at the right time with the right word to help me move forward into all that God has for me? Now come on, someone say amen. You see, Abram was told in Genesis 12, Abram, God said, I am going to make you a great nation. I am going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. That's fantastic. But God also said this, and you will be a blessing. Abram, it's more than a family. There's a nation that resides within you. But what I am doing in you is so much bigger than the sphere of your world. So in blessing you, you are going to be a blessing. Wouldn't you love to be known as a person of blessing this morning? I'm talking about the person that gets invited to the parties. I'm talking about the person that, hey, let's have a coffee date. I'm talking about the type of person that's truthful and honest, but there's something about you that carries the favor and the blessing of God. Because I tend to believe that as a Christian, God's word says that I'm the head, not the tail. That I'm above, not belief. That below, that I'm at the front of the queue, not at the back of the queue. And I think that there needs to be an awakening and an awareness in the body of Christ to whom we are and whom we belong to. This morning, Neil Cameron is a child of the living God. I am saved. I am sanctified. My sins have been forgiven. I know I'm not the finished article yet. God's still working on me before you say amen. But regardless of that, when God looks at me, he looks down, and I believe right now in heaven, the angels are going, Father God, that's your son, Neil Cameron. And boy, he's encouraging the people this morning and helping them to understand that, Father, you've got this, but they've got a part to play. Therefore, they all need to step up and say this morning, Father, I'm going to be a person of blessing. When I come into a room, the atmosphere is going to change. When I go into the workplace, the atmosphere is going to change. Why? Not because of me, but because of the Spirit of God that resides within me. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that there are people who walk according to the flesh and people who walk according to the Spirit. This is very important because flesh people will pull you down. They're negative. They're naysayers. Spirit people will build you up. Why? They're full of faith and encouragement. I want to be a spirit person. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.16 says these incredible words. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. In other words, we're not looking at the outward appearance. He says, why? Because people that are critical that are negative, that are fleshly, 
who have their mindset on earth and not in heaven, if you're not careful, everyone brings their spirit with them. So if people are controlling, if people are critical, if people are carnal, they'll bring that into the atmosphere. But I believe that God can give us discernment that we actually become people of blessing, of positivity, people of faith. People that come into a situation and we're not looking for the glass to be half empty, we're looking for the glass to be half full. Yes, God has got us this, but you have a personal responsibility to walk in the blessing and favor of God. I've discovered something. There can be a hundred people that like you. But have you ever noticed that that one person, <laughs> that one person that doesn't like you can get under your skin more than the hundred that like you? Everyone's smiling, Pastor Dan. You preached up. I heard you preached up a storm last week, by the way. I was encouraged. I heard so many great reports, video controls, and all that stuff going on. He's doing great, isn't he? Come on, show some encouragement right now. And you can be preaching on a Sunday morning, and 99 people can be smiling at you. But that one person that's scowling. Come on, tell the truth. Am I being true this morning? I, I'm, not, I'm not here to impress you. I want to inspire you. James, you can be leading worship, and everyone else is going for it. But that one person that has his hand, and you go home and you think, what did I do wrong? And I think for every one of us that it is so important because we actually in life, and I really want to help you here, actually in life you don't need everyone to love you or accept you, or approve you to be valued. And we sometimes think that we've got to have the 100% record. There's always someone that perhaps just your character, just your personality, just because you're you, you know? But that's okay, because we're all different. But here's what the enemy wants to do to all of us. The enemy wants everyone to have what, we, what is known as an orphan heart, or an orphan spirit. You may say to me, Pastor Neil, what's that? That sounds a little bit deep. An orphan heart or an orphan spirit is when you continually feel unloved, undervalued, you don't have a sense of belonging, you never feel good enough, and often what happens in life is, is an orphan heart, along with that goes, with, goes what is known as a spirit of rejection. Because suddenly, the moment that someone does not approve of you, of you, or there's a sense of rejection, it goes deep into your spirit and takes you out. So what happens then is you live your life for the approval of man because you think that acceptance is based on your ability to perform. That's why we see little kids, and it's cute when little kids are trying to get our attention and do their thing, but there's nothing worse than when you see a grown adult trying so hard to get attention. Now, the amazing thing is that you can be brought up in a loving home, a valued home. People can affirm you, and people can speak positive over you, 
But somewhere in life, you can still take on that orphan heart or that spirit of rejection. So what happens is you spend your life competing and comparing yourself to others. I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as them. You live your life believing that your acceptance is based on your performance. If I perform well, if I do good, I'll be accepted. If I don't, then I understand that I won't be approved. Understand something. The Bible says when it comes to Christianity that while we were yet sinners. Can I say that again? While we were yet sinners. God did not wait until we were saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, living a good life, getting our values aligned with the Bible before he approved of us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. If that's what God did with us, let this resonate with your spirit. If that's what the God the Father did for us while we were sinners, think what he wants to do for us now that we're sons and daughters of the living God. Romans 8 says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. And I love this, being adopted. You have received the spirit of adoption. Now we call Abba Father. No, uh, when, when I stop doing any of that sinful stuff, I can say Abba Father. Uh, when I stop messing up, when I stop being critical, when I stop being negative, when everything lines up, then I'll be able to say, Abba, Father. No, the Bible says, now, whereas you belong to Jesus, come on, church, now we have received the spirit of adoption that we can cry, Abba, Father. You're not a slave, you're a son. Now, growing up, uh, you know I'm adopted. Growing up, uh, they told me I was adopted very early, by the way. Uh, when you used to look at the family pictures, uh, my old, uh, oldest sister is, is a redhead. I think she's a redhead. She, okay. She was a redhead. <laughs> uh, my brother is blonde-headed, and my youngest sister at the back is blonde. And here was me in the family picture. They told me I was adopted very early, okay? That explained the family photograph. Now, I have got to say as clearly as I can that I, all my life I have been affirmed, I have been loved, I have been valued, growing up in the family. I, I mean, I was dad's golden boy for obvious reasons, but not only by virtue of color, by virtue of behavior. Just, just you, 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 you know, uh, I, look, let's just call it what it is, you know? Uh, and, but growing up, I can honestly say that I was always very aware that I was part of the family. There was never a, an occasion when I came down to breakfast and sort of like there was a place set for Wendy or for and Philip and Louise, but there was not a place set for me. Not at all. Why? Because I was part of the family. I was maybe not part of the family through biological birth and blood and DNA, but something significant happened when I was 11 months old when Simon and Wendy Cameron adopted me into the family and I became Neil Cameron, at that moment, a transaction took place, get this, not only legally, 
but in the heart of my family where they suddenly went, this is my son, this is my brother, and we love him, and he is part of what is going on. Therefore, growing up, I've always felt very comfortable. You see that. I look really shy, aren't I? I'm, I'm shy. And, 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 of course, that has gone on through our marriage. I mean, Phyllis just loves me. Absolutely. I mean, Daniel, I, I don't know if you have this, but every day, Neil, thank you for marrying me. <laughs> Neil, you know, thank you for coming along and taking me off the shelf. I don't know what my life would have. <laughs> I don't know. How. It's okay with a, with, a, with a lunch after this, so I'm safe downstairs, right? <laughs> but I, I'm joking, but I'm trying to get a point across to you here, church. Because there are some of you in this room, and you're saved, and you belong to Jesus, but perhaps because of upbringing or what you experienced in family life, that perhaps you've taken on that orphan spirit, and you feel less than. And then what happens is we take that in the natural, then we take that into our Christian life, and we feel less than. We feel less valued. So we, we think, of, well, if I'm unvalued or not shown love uh, in, in my family, then when we come into the family of God, that we think God is going to treat us that way as well. That is the lie of the enemy. That is the lie of the enemy. Regardless of what your background has been, regardless of what you experience, now you are a child of the living God. You belong to the family of God. You are valued. You see, God is not just living, He's loving. Why is it that we can all quote John 3.16? For God so loved the world. God loves you, my friend, and He values you, and you have an incredible part to play in the kingdom of God. So we can shout all we like, God's got this. We need to realize, God's got me. And because God's got me, God is going to use me to facilitate everything He has in His kingdom. In Matthew 3, Am I preaching okay this morning? In Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized, listen to the words that came from heaven. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus had not performed one miracle at that point. This was before his public ministry. This was before he was known. This was not at the end of his ministry. This is at the beginning of his ministry. And here is what Father God is clearly saying to him and affirming him to those that could hear his voice. This is my son. I am well pleased with him. You see, when it comes to God and facilitating the work of God through our life, all we need to be is sons and daughters. Listen, God loves us. He desires to work through us. It's not about our doing. It's in our being. I said it's not in our doing. It's in our being. You see, some of you think, if I do this, God will be pleased with me. If I do that, God will be pleased with me. If I get involved in this ministry, God will be pleased with me. And I believe he will. But he will never be more pleased with you than he is already. Because it's not about your doing, church. It's about your being. So that ability to go this morning, I am a child. And I know I'm emphasizing this because I think at the Northeast we're very poor at this you know, I think in the Northeast, we, we get our heads down and we're a little bit embarrassed. But, but I want to say clearly this morning, 
We stand in a power and authority that comes with belonging to Father God. So therefore, we must move and operate through the power of the Spirit. We must move and operate in that which is given to us from God. Okay, can I move real quickly this morning? You know, you don't have to be seen to be significant. Every single person listening to my voice right now has a part to play in the body of Christ. There was a certain man. Let me go through this quickly. Nameless. Who did God use? In Acts chapter 9, we read about the apostle Paul. He's on his way to Damascus. He has letters to persecute the church. There's our great light from heaven. He falls to the ground. He ends up in Damascus. He cannot see. God speaks to a man called Ananias. Who's Ananias? You're right. We don't know a lot about him. But God speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight. There's Paul is there. He's praying. He sees a man called Ananias. He's, you are going to go. You're going to pray for him that scales will be removed from his eyes. Who's Ananias? We don't preach much about him. We don't know a lot about him. But he's part of the narrative. He's the right person at the right place at the right time to pray for Paul. I'll tell you, here's something every one of us in this room can do. We can pray for each other. I so value the prayers of the saints. Over the last couple of years when perhaps I've had the opportunity to go and and speak at different places and different ministries. And, and one of the ones that I've always enjoyed is, is the Baptist church because I, I went to Sunday school there when I was a youngster. And there still is a number of the Sunday school teachers, when I was young at, at the Sunday school, a number of the Sunday school teachers that now go to, okay, it's the overs service, all right? And I love when I go in there because I, I'm doing my thing and there's three or four folks and you just see them It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how good I'm doing. And you just see this incredible, infectious smile. And then afterwards, they'll come and go, Neil, we've prayed for you. Neil, ever since you were at Sunday school, and, and, and when, as you've gone into ministry, we've just asked God that God would bless you. They have a part in the narrative of what is taking place here at Apex Church. How, Neil? They, they were Sunday school teachers. I'll tell you why. Because they taught me, and they continued to pray for me. And as I've gone through life, and whatever I've faced, I've never known, but I have reaped the benefit. Come on, church. Stay with me. I've reaped the benefit of those that have prayed for me. You're maybe here this morning and saying, I don't have a ministry there's nothing I can do. Yes, there is. You can pray for people. You can pray for one another. We can pray for the ministries. This morning in my prayer time, and I do this every time when I pray, I say, God, is there anyone particular that you could lay in my heart and spirit that I need to pray for right now? And I would say most times God will place someone on my heart. I don't necessarily know what they're going through what they're experiencing, but I lift them up in prayer. I may never know, but here's what's happening. They'll never know, but God is using a certain person at a certain time, at a certain place to be a blessing. I love that people pray for us. Now, follow with me. Paul can't get into the local church. Well, hey, this is the guy that by his own words, he said this, I wasted 
the church. I don't know about you, but that almost sounds like a mafia term, doesn't it? I wasted the church. He's saved now, and he wants to join a local church. Would you want this Saul, now known as Paul, to join your life group? Let's be honest. No, we're going to send him along to the ministry on a Thursday just to check him out. We'll see if he can sing. If he sings well and he eats the pancakes, we will know he's in. He wants to join the church, read the Bible. No one wants to include the apostle Paul. But then there's this lovely line. But Barnabas, but Barnabas took him. Who's Barnabas? Barnabas, his name means the son of encouragement. Barnabas was the right person at the right time to open the door that the Apostle Paul could connect with the church to facilitate everything that took place through the missions work. It was all facilitated because there was this man called Barnabas who decided that he was going to be an encouragement. He encouraged the Apostle Paul. When my brother Philip was young, he always wanted to be a singer. And we were in Zion at the time. And he gets up with his guitar. And uh, one of my cousins was holding uh, the words of the song that he was singing. So as she's standing there holding the words of the song, my brother Philip, this is in early days, all right? Now, by the way, he's recorded multiple albums now. He's very well-known, very successful preacher, all right? This is early days, just starting out. He's playing the guitar, but as it was, very inexperienced, that, that every uh, verse he would go up a chord or come down a chord or miss a word. Or miss. So he says, these, he still tells this story. My cousin Anne is, is holding the words in front of him. And the more he's messing up, the more my cousin Anne is laughing. And the more she's laughing, <laughs> the more the words are shaking, which then means he can't see that clearly and he's doing even worse. And Anne is now just in stitches at my brother Philip. He gets off the platform, sits down, and he says, I'll never do that again. I am so embarrassed. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had a moment in life that you do something and it just doesn't? I'll never do that again. He says, I'll never do that again. I'm so embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. My old Auntie Maggie, married to my Uncle Michael, come up, came up to Philip after the service and says, Philip, my boy, I've got to tell you something. You really encouraged me today. Please keep on going. Please keep on singing. Please let God use you. My Auntie Maggie didn't realize that those simple words of encouragement was going to propel someone to an international ministry because when other people were laughing, someone could come with a word of encouragement. Wouldn't it be wonderful this morning? Please excuse my words of faith. But wouldn't it be wonderful if Apex Church was known as a place of encouragement? That we encourage each other, that we bless each other, that we inspire each other. That when the worship team get up to lead us, guess what? We're full of encouragement. That we are right behind them. That we are choose, choose, choosing to get involved, not only in worship, but in appreciation. When people are getting up to say the announcements, we're encouraging them. So when Pastor Daniel or Pastor Neil or Matthew or whoever, when people are speaking about souls getting saved, by the way, I just need to say this. If we've got to whip you up and try and get you going when people are getting saved, sorry, this is a sidebar. Okay, personal rant. 
if we have to encourage him that something is wrong, if we cannot get excited about people going from death to life, if we can't get excited that there is a new name written down in glory, if we can't get excited about that church, something fundamentally is wrong. But wouldn't it be great if this place was known that from young to old, you will be encouraged, you'll be inspired. You might not get it right, but people are for you. They're not against you. People, you know, and you'll never know what people are going through. Because we don't always know what you're going through. And I know I'm messing up a little bit now. And, but I realize that in life, you get more kicks than kisses. In life, there is more things that don't go your way than probably will. But we are encouraged by the Apostle Paul when he says in Romans 1, he says these words, For I long to visit you. I long to visit you. Why? So I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, listen to this, church. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. Isn't that beautiful words? I want to encourage you, but I want to be encouraged by you. I want to be inspired by your faith, what God is doing in your life. But I also want you to encourage me by what God is doing in your life. And I want you to be encouraged by what God is doing in my life. That's what encouragement is like. And time is gone and the band will come and you've got half the sermon. But I want to challenge you this morning. And I do. I, I unashamedly want to challenge every single person. Because you may be the link in the chain that God wants to use. Because God has got this, no doubt about it. But maybe the way that God wants to facilitate it is by using you. By using you. And by using you. You know, in someone's world right now, you may be the robot. In someone's world right now, you might be the speedboat. Or you might actually be the helicopter that someone is waiting for. And the reason that we preach this way at Apex Church is that we want people to come into the fullness of whom they are in Christ Jesus. I close with this. Don't get excited. I could do lots of closings. I, I couldn't wait to take Phyllis. She was my girlfriend at the time. I couldn't wait to take Phyllis to America. At that time, I was traveling. I was the bass player. I was part of the band. And uh, I couldn't wait to, to expose Phyllis to my world in America. So we told her. I told her all about it. Uh, she was all excited and and we were going to go to America together, and, and I was going to be, she was going to be able to travel with us and the different churches that we were going to go into, and she, she was going to see me. You know I mean? She was going to see Jesus, but <laughs> she was going to see me on stage with the bass and tartan jacket. And, and yeah, you know, and it was sort of like, yeah, all those other girls were hopeful, but you got me, you know? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> and I'll never forget, I, 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 was, I was so excited as, as, the, as the plane 
landed in Boston, Massachusetts. And I told Phyllis, you know, it's really hot in America, you know. It's, uh, we told her about, we traveled a lot in the southern states, but here we were, were in Boston. I'm like, Phyllis, it's really hot here, and you'll never have experienced heat like this, and blah, blah, blah. And you know what you do. Come on, guys, you know what you do. You hype it up and all this. So we get off the airplane, we get through customs, and uh, there we are. And I says to Phyllis, well, here you are in America, you know, all excited. And Phyllis says these incredible words to me. It's not as hot as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Do you remember? And I'm like, what? what? He says, it's not as hot as, as I thought it was going to be. Come with me. Certain man. I took her by the hand, and we stepped outside the airport. And the heat hit her because in the airport, the air conditioning was on. And Phyllis arrived into this environment and thought, this is it. But someone was able to guide her and direct her because I loved her that much that I did not want her experience, hello church, of America to be the confines of an airport with air conditioning on, I wanted to take her by the hand, which I did, and let her outside into the heat of this is what America is like. Why do we preach like this at ABEX Church? Why are we passionate? Why are we expressive? Why do we want to deal with the whole counsel of God? I'll tell you why, because the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because we believe that there is a God in heaven who loves us very much. And sincerely, we love you so much that we don't want your experience of Christianity to be limited to four walls of a church or perhaps to the tradition that has held you back. But through God's grace at Abex Church, we will take you by the hand and hopefully lead you into, hopefully, prayerfully, guided by the Spirit to lead you into all that God has for every single one of us. Why? Because we're children of a living God. Has God got this? Yes. Does God use us? Yes. Let's pray that He would make us people that pray, people encourage, people who facilitate, people who open the door for others to see what God has for them. All right, heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here you don't know Jesus. You don't have an experience with Jesus. You're not walking with God. You know your life is not right with God. You say, Neil, this morning, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to respond to him. I need Christ to be my Savior, my Lord. I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? And I will include you, include you in prayer this morning. You don't know Jesus. You need a relationship with him. Father, I thank you for these words. Come on, stand to your feet. I thank you for these words this morning. Father, I thank you that I believe that you have spoken through me. Father, I believe that there has been a challenge that has gone out to every one of us, personal responsibility in the things of God. Father, I truly believe that you can use us. Would you make us usable? Father, would you take us into a new sphere, a new dimension of understanding the purposes of God? And I can truly say this morning, 
I am a child of God. And as a child of God, the whole blessing and benefit of belonging is mine. Now, Father, open hearts, open spirits. Let us see your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.